David Bacon says he was all boy for much of his childhood. Still, puberty confused him, and at 18, he transitioned to a woman named Lisa. This transition nearly took his life. He'll explain why on today's program. Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Each week, special guests tackle the issues facing the moms of America today. Discussions include personal stories and advice on how moms can build a strong foundation of faith, family, and freedom in their homes and country. Hi, moms. I'm Debbie Kurlitis, your host, and welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here with us again this week. Uh, Right here at the top of the show, we want to invite you to like, subscribe, and share the podcast. We've got a very, very interesting um, podcast today, a very tough subject, but it's for all mamas for sure. Also, I want to invite all of our mamas that are listening. Would you please join our movement here at Moms for America if you haven't already? We are moms all across the country joining together uniting to fight for our faith, family, freedom, and the constitution. So if you haven't checked us out, please check us out at momsforamerica.us. That's our website, momsforamerica.us. Love to have you. Already on to today's program. Well, we've all experienced a cultural shift, embracing what is referred to as gender affirming care, right? We've all heard about this. This support comes from the highest levels of government, medicine and education. But now we are beginning to hear stories from young people who have transitioned to the opposite gender. Many feel deceived that they were not told the whole truth. Our guest today is David Bacon. He is one such person. In fact, David says that transitioning to female nearly cost him his life. Well, welcome, David, to the Moms for America podcast. We're, we're glad that you're here today. I mean, this is a tough subject um, and a very personal story for you, but but welcome. We're so glad to have you. Thank you for having me on Moms for America. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, the story, your story, um, is really a, a story of transformation. Can we can we start a little bit here in the beginning, maybe about how you were raised in a Christian home, homeschooled, went on to public school, um, a little bit about your early years uh, and what your foundation was like. That's actually perfect uh, because I was doing some digging the other day and I found an old poster that I had as a kid when I was a young boy uh, going to what they call heart camp because of my medical condition that I have. And I have it with me today, so I figured I'd try and show some type of pictures and stuff of me being a boy, me actually doing boy things. And it was actually during my birthday as well. So I was like 10 or 11 years old, I think is when I turned. At the in that one, um, pretty young, still a boy, and tried to do boy things at that time. And it was also a Christian uh, outreach called Camp Taylor for all heart patients. Mm. And it's a beautiful place, wonderful staff. Um, they got medical EB- EMT um, people on there as well. Um, and I've been going. I went there for probably four years in a row before I, you know, grew out of my age, so I can't go to kid camp anymore. So. Uh, I've been wanting to become a volunteer for them, but I wasn't sure exactly how to go about doing that and the training that would need it and stuff like that. So I didn't really dig into the research much, but mm-hmm. during that but it time, is a, it is a memory for you yeah, it's where a memory you were, of who childhood. you were. Yes. 
Um, so I, I don't want to jump too far ahead here because there's a couple of lines in your story. One, the reason why you were at this camp was because of your heart condition. Maybe we should start out with that. So you really dealt with um, some severe sickness as a child. Yes, I was born uh, with a pulmonary condition called uh, pulmonary atresia or it's pulmonary stenosis. I can't actually remember which order it goes through, but I have both on my record. Okay. Um, but I was born with a congenital heart defect and it was where my pulmonary valve didn't connect to my heart. And it was, it made me come out looking all like not pale, maybe I guess black and bluish almost. I wasn't really like white, white. Like I didn't have any skin. Like there was no oxygen in my skin. That's what the problem okay. was. And, and they found the reason out and sent me into the E rushed me to the ER within you know, two hours of me after my birth and fixed me up and here I am. <laughs> so you struggled with heart conditions um, all of your life. What was it? Nine open heart surgeries. Is that right? I've had nine. Yes. Wow. And I'm 31 and they okay. never expected me to go past 20 ish, like in my twenties. They never thought you'd survive after 20. Well, not after 20, but around my 20s. Wow. Like they had an estimation between like between my in my 20 in my 20 years. Yeah. So you're a walking miracle. That's what my mom says. Yeah. Well, mama <laughs> say things like that because we know when someone's a miracle and if your mama gave birth to you and saw everything that you went through, she knows that you are a walking miracle, which makes your story even more powerful um, as we say that. So so dealing with sickness, heart mm -hmm. condition when you're younger. Um, and, and this is kind of your story of, of born as a boy, transition to a girl, back to a boy. Um, when you look at yourself in those pictures right now that you referred to, because it brought a smile to your face, it was a memory. Um, you, were you comfortable as a boy at that period in your life at that when period you were growing in, up? Yeah. At that period in my life, during that time of growing up, I felt comfortable. I felt like who I was, um, like I was meant to be there. I guess you could say I felt welcomed in that community as well. So it wasn't like, you know, this whole, you know, if you don't feel like you're in the right body, none of that stuff happened. It was basically there to just let kids be kids and right. explore their wildest dreams because it's like a playland almost there. It was amazing. Right. For, for sick kids. For sick right. kids that need yeah. some type of, you know, motivational um, outreach for themselves and to help figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. So, so now talking about figuring out who you were, um, you were living as a boy. You never had confusion about this until what age were you attracted to girls at this? Were you having crushes? Where, where were you on this journey before you decided to make this huge decision of transitioning to a woman? But what was your childhood? What were your growing years? Like, I know that you dealt with some bullying. I know that there were some issues um, in your life. Um, that may be attributed to this or um, maybe confused puberty, the whole thing. But you were a boy then and you were okay with being a boy. When did this start changing? Around my teenage years during the puberty stage, I went to my mom in fifth grade and told her that I didn't want to be a boy and put me and told me to take and told her to take me to the doctors because I wanted to be on puberty blockers. And this was back in 98, 99. 
Something before like this was the rage, before this was on yeah. every social before media. Before was the social influence. media influence, bogus influence, to be honest. Right. Um, but an influence nonetheless. And yes, it was well before all of that stuff was established. Heck, it was before the internet almost, like before the internet became super famous for a lot of things. Like we had mm -hmm. AOL and dial up and all that stuff, but right. we didn't really have the in-depth social medias that we have today to right. cause Which... this type of disruption. Exactly, which you probably can't even imagine what it's like now to grow up with any type of questioning or any kind of question now in today's world because you go right to these influencers and they put you to a website and they connect you and they just swoosh you out of your whole home and any anywhere that you're potentially going and they just almost hijack you. So this is before it was easy, before it was simple, um, we'll say, uh, you went to your mom. What did your mom say? And and what was what did you end up doing? Because you were fifth grade. That's awfully young. She was very confused, and she said that she loved me. Said no, oh. we're not going to go to the doctor. And she turned to her Bible and to the church. And then she did some research on what type of limited information we could find on the internet because back in the day, not very much information was going out. You'd have to go to like a library or a doctor's office to get this type of information. Um, so she did the best she could at the time frame at, back in that time. Um, could she have done better? Honestly, no. If you look back at the technology that we had back then to the technology we have today, it was a lot harder to get certain information. Like there was specific request forms that you had to fill out and go talk to this and go do that and actually mm -hmm. physically talk with people. And that's the problem that we're facing today as well. The actual physical human interactions between people. Now, if we want to talk to somebody, we just pull up our phone and go, hi, how you doing? Like it's right there. You don't even have to leave your house anymore. And that right. I, uh, technology is great. Don't get me wrong. It's a neutral thing, but it also has its downfalls and how they're using it is right. corrupting our society. Right. Could be used for good. Mm -hmm. Could be used for bad. It's um, all about the person behind it. Right. So now uh, what happens from fifth grade on? Uh, do you kind of then just stay as a boy? Is this something that you were struggling with in the household? Did this, what did you do? Did you meet with, um, did you get, counseling what was your journey like i just stayed as a boy didn't really think too much after i had that conversation with my mom okay uh, because she let it go so it just wandered off of, out of my mind for a while okay. until about eighth seventh eighth grade when i started getting bullied at public schools because i started attending public school again because um, you were homeschooled now you're homeschooled, in the public school now okay. i'm in the public school exactly um, and with all the bullying and all that stuff, and then going into high school and the bullies bullying continued and sure. it was always new environment. Awful. Specifically, the problem that I had was in middle school. I went to four different middle schools in three years, Yikes. which is very hard. Yeah, middle dad, school is hard enough as it is, right? Exactly. Especially with puberty too. Like right. that on top of that, on top of trying to make new friends, on top of trying to, you know, please the teachers, trying to get the homework done, all that stuff. It Everything plays a toll on the child when they have to go to four different middle schools. Right. <laughs> so mom is kind of just, and I guess probably just praying that this goes away. Yep. You now are kind of like, it's back in your, in your mind. You're feeling insecure, you're bullied, you're not feeling probably like you're in a good position. Do you then start and I, I mean, I've got all these kind of notes in That's front of when me. I, 
I'll fill in that note real quick. That's when um that's when I started playing house with my two sisters. Okay. And they would dress me up as the female and they dressed up as the male and then we'd switch roles, but that's how we played. And I just thought it was okay, but apparently let's just not let kids play house that way. Right. <laughs> because it turned out, it turned out bad for seven years of my life. Yeah. Okay. So that was not a good situation. No. And then it, it furthered the seed. Shall we it say? furthered the seed. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, and this is what happens too. Sometimes we're on a bad road the road keeps, you keep getting farther and farther away from truth, farther and farther away from hope. Um, I also read here that somehow you got connected to the dark web. There was all of these kind of situations coming at you that really just crushed you. I call it the dark web because it was literally like porn almost. Let's just, if I can say that word, sure. um, it was pornographic information on the internet. So I just called it the dark web because it's literally dark like when yeah. you open that stuff up it's sinful it's it's dark it's demonic it's evil <sighs> so to clarify on that word for people to understand i'm not referring to as in i'm going through back channels and i'm finding all this no i'm dark web as in it's evil it's demonic it's corrupted it's pornographic and right. i'm a child so yes. to me it's considered the dark web <laughs> yeah it is a dark place um and evil reigns there so whatever you are now engaging with this kind of starts to corrode your mm -hmm. sexual identity uh really your soul yes definitely your soul it's damaged it damn i felt like i my soul was damaged getting yeah. damaged and corrupted um i didn't realize it at that time but after looking back now yes it was and it was causing me to have um outbursts and uncontrollable uh, um uh, anger issues and all this other stuff. So I, after, uh, so we'll jump forward a little bit to about my, I was about 18, 19, graduated high school. Um, cause that's when I started really dressing up and going out in public and trying okay. to get accepted into the world without going on any hormones. I would shave my face, shave my legs. If I was going to wear a skirt, you know, and still look proper and stuff. But I, dressed as in feminine clothing instead of man's clothing. Were you and now taking on a new name, a whole new gender? How I was, I honestly felt like I was playing a persona. Like dress up. Like dress up, exactly, for the real world. Okay. And I honestly think that what they're pushing is considered dress up, not their actual things. Right. It's It's all fantasy world. So you start dressing up, you start taking on this new name new identity you now trying to embrace this fully you decide i'm going to change my gender or I, and I, I i guess people are approach this differently changing gender then there's hormones there's uh the, the drug a aspect um the name the birth right birth birth certificate the operations where did this go with you how far were you um how I got far were you in I got all the way up to the point to where I had a team of five um, practitioners, medical practitioners, to talk about getting breast implants and removing my genitalia. Um, wow. I did not go through that, thank the Lord, because a nurse 
at the end of all of it, one of the nurses uh, that stayed behind gave me all the information, like all the truthful facts, you know, informed me of what what damages could be caused and the successful. And she said specifically, it's irreversible. It's irreversible. Right. There's nothing you can do about it. Even to this day right now, I still have um, uh, poor blood circulation in my legs. And it's not because of my heart. It's because of the medication that I was taking. So, because it was sucking oxygen out of my system, it was completely different. And because of the fact that I'm also past their, their time frame of when I can sue them, they placed that there for a reason that's set to like two years when it's Mm. normal. And, but we don't normally find out any of these detransitioners until eight, 10, 15 years down the road. So they, very convenient, they put this right? very convenient for them to just keep taking, making that dough, making that dough. That's all it's about. It's just making money, making money. Most pain, um, most patients uh, per year, you're looking at about a hundred thousand dollars. That's just on pills. That's wow. not taking the medication. That's not pharmaceuticals. Taking surgeries. It's all pharmaceutical stuff. Yeah. That's right. not, we surgeries. keep hearing that this is a big, big business. It's huge. Um, it's a huge yeah. money grabber and that's all they care about. So now you're it's, taking these pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. Um, these, uh, the drugs, I'm not sure exactly what the name of the I drugs call them are. drugs. I could just right. call them drugs. Right. So you're taking these drugs, you're living as Lisa. Do you feel like, um, before we get to the fact that you transitioned back to male, what mm-hmm. are you feeling at this time? Um, are you happy that you've changed to a different person? I seemed like I was happy. Okay. Looking back, it seemed like I was, but when I actually looked deep into my own pictures now, I could see a fake smile, not a real smile. So I guess I was playing a part that it wasn't really me. And I guess even the word happy really is not a fair word to say because, you know, I felt pleased. Happy comes and goes. I felt pleased is the word I like to use. Okay. At that time, I felt pleased with myself. Okay. I felt, so, I guess you could say at peace as well. Right. Cause you made really it at peace. <laughs> right. Yes, but no. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you get to this place where you're living. How long did you live as Lisa? About seven years. Seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, you're taking these, this, um, these drugs. And from what I understand, um, these start causing some complications for you. Yes. Um, I was five years in. And during that five, the fifth year, I, something was going on with my heart. I wasn't breathing well. My lips were turning purple. I was getting poor circulation. Uh, I was tired for very, I was super tired. And so I had to have my mom rush me over to UCSF. Uh, well, at first they rushed, she rushed me to chomp to think, uh, she, thinking that this hospital would help me, which is in Monterey County. So if people don't know, I would advise people not to go there because sometimes they just, they have poor, they, they almost killed me because they oh, gave no. me a blood transfusion and that blood oh. transfusion, you're not supposed to do to someone like me with my condition. And that wasn't the case they were supposed to go down because they didn't have all the information. They didn't do their investigation to figure out exactly what is my medical condition by right. contacting UCSF saying, Hey, I have your patient, one of your patients in my hospital. Can you send me all of their information? Right. It seems David, like they didn't do that. Right. Your health at this point is very, uh, very poor. Right. And it's very confusing. It's very sensitive. Yes. I mean, you've got nine open heart surgeries. 
you're on these these drugs, um, and obviously they're not settling well with you. Did anyone warn you about possible uh, repercussions of, of of these drugs? Not until the not until I had that convenience with the uh, with the nurse that told me all this information that I needed to know in an actual office. At that time, I did, but not the psychologist, not the psychiatrist, not the doctor who was prescribing the meds. She would; they were literally just saying, "Oh, this is great for you. You can have this, and this will help you do this. And if we we can slowly increase your dosage, and da 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 da." They, they didn't really like take heed to any of my actual medical issues. They why just would, wanted to push agendas this? and write a check. Right? Why is this agenda? just from your perspective, looking back, it's just, it's, it's bizarre to me because so much is at stake. Why can, can we not talk about the pros and the cons, the ups and the downs, you know, the, the dangers? Um, why, why is it now when you look back, it's, it's the agenda. I know where the indoctrination is crazy now, but it's, it's scary because people's lives, I mean, just let people decide then don't push them don't push them somewhere without talking about the realities surrounding these things. Yeah. Um, I would have to say to that comment, something along the lines of, how can I put this into words? Cause you have trying. to feel robbed. You have to feel I, robbed. I do, some of them. I do feel robbed. That's right. I felt like seven years of my life was taken away. That's how I feel. Because I was wronged, I was, I was given false information. Mm -hmm. They even said that even the psychiatrist said something along the lines of you could possibly you could potentially have have suicidal thoughts if you don't go through this process. So it, they're using our most fearful um, fears that we today fear as humans. You know, death. Most of us always fear that because it's just natural for us to fear that. And they right. use that as a tool to get you to comply with what they're trying to do to make it think to make you think that it's good, it's it's great, it's grander. Remember, all roads are paved with good intentions, mm -hmm. <laughs> but not all good intentions lead to to good intentions. <laughs> right. It usually leads to evil. <laughs> right. So in this journey now, um, you're living as Lisa, you said for seven years, and then you started the fifth year, you started having some health conditions, and then you actually um, had a kind of um, come to Jesus moment. Was that during a surgery? Oh, yeah. What happened where this, you kind of came to a crossroads, right? Where uh -huh. you had to either, you had to deal with reality and God I... brought... Um, a moment into your life, correct? Yes, he did. It was what was a, that? It, well, I was actually at my ninth open heart surgery because at the fifth year mark, I had eight heart surgeries. I had eight surgeries at the time. So this, this time when I was in the hospital, that was the ninth time. And during that ninth open heart surgery to fix all of the clots and blood clots and damage and repair another valve. And I had to get two valves replaced. I had to get my aorta and my tricuspid valve replaced because the damage was so significant. And he's the surgeon. You're attributing was, him to these drugs. It was contributed to the drugs because he specifically said it felt like he was cutting through concrete when he was removing my oh. valve. What kind of surgeon says that? Wow. That must've been tough. And I didn't, and I didn't drink much milk. So I know it wasn't calcium, it's calcium buildup, but 
it, he said that it didn't seem like it was calcium buildup. It seemed like something right. completely different. And I'm prone to have a calcium buildup. So that's why I take aspirin. Aspirin helps keep that down like a little baby aspirin every morning, 81 milligrams. I take that. That's perfectly, that's all I need for the rest of my life. Now I, they put me on, you know, blood thinners and stuff afterwards. But during that time that I was under, I was, they said that I was under for 23 hours at the 24 hour mark. They have to call you clinically dead because they can't go past that. They cannot go past that 24 hour mark because it's, it's the, you've done what you can. The surgeon cannot stand there for longer than 24 hours and try to get you to come back because there's just no way. But so I was you under, are you're right at the brink here. I was right at the brink. And wow. that's when I snapped and woke up. And and that's when I freaked out the doctors, too, because they thought they lost me. They were about to make the call. And I just zing, up on this on the thing. I scared them a little bit. They got a little they got a little startled because I was with God at that moment. And at that time, my soul was actually in an area where I was getting during that time I was getting all these flashbacks of my childhood and then showing where I was at leading all the way up to where I was at that time and then at that wow. time at that point in time I had two roads show me I had two paths that lit up in my area let me put it this way I had two paths to line up in my area and one path led to continuing taking the drugs continued being Lisa continued taking down this road and it ended up to my death in my 30s mm. This other road said, stop taking the medications, focus on me, which is God, mm -hmm. uh, do what I want you to do, because what I want you to do is beneficial for you, and it will help you, and it will better you, and you will live to your 60, 70, 80 down the road. Well, And who I, I created you to be, too, right, David? Exactly. Let's he not said, leave that out. Like, I was just about to say that. Like he, he said, I want you to be who I created you as because yes. I created you in my image. And this yes. is how I see you. And this is how I want to protect you. So mm. when he did that, that's the road. When I woke up, that's when I had the true realize after all the drugs and I was, you know, out of surgery. And I finally woke up from my, my, my induced coma because they had to put me in induced coma uh, back so I could heal up for a week. Okay. Um, but once I got all of, out of all of that, I was, I woke up in peace the best peace and i've ever felt in my life it was wow what a it miracle. was a life-changing experience so what a miracle so obviously you chose the path that god affirmed and ministered to you that was a a, a, a miracle a moment of ministry from god and that's exactly when you were saying that story it was like i'm sure he was just affirming that he made you yeah. He spoke you into existence. He called you by name and that you can't change that because that's what's so precious about who you are individually, who I mm -hmm. am individually, all of us, you know, he's, he, he spoke us into existence. Um, that's correct. And, and that's the miracle. That's the miracle of life. So what is your relationship with, with God Ben since that you've been on a journey with him, huh? I've been on a huge journey with him and <laughs> I have, several um bible verses that for a public uh, for an actual public meeting that i was going to i'm invited to go speak at in san jose on the 25th of this month um there's a couple of verses one's in romans one's in um two are in second corinthians and one is in genesis and then the final one that i love the most and i even have it on my Tell own little placard this is okay. my favorite one this is proverbs 3 5 through 6 
trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And you had that path. And I had that path and I was just ignoring it. But you chose the right path, David. But then I I jumped back on the right dark path. It was kind of dark, but there was a light at the end and I followed that one. That's right. Well, to God be the glory. So now looking back, how are you now being back in your own skin who God created you to be the, the young vivacious man um, that has a beautiful future in, in front of him. I have one word for it. Warrior. Warrior. That's how I feel. Wow. I feel powerful in the name of Christ. So what a beautiful testimony. It's the only way I can feel power is from him. He gives it to me. I don't That's have right. any power. I just feel his power. Because That's it's right. not my power, it's his power. So I'm just a warrior. I'm his, I'm his tool. I'm his light. I'm his vessel. I'm the one that's supposed to help lead people into a better life. And I feel that he gave me this torm. I because God doesn't do something that we don't understand. Even when we don't understand it, he still has a purpose for it. And I believe right. that my past story is the purpose for what's going on today. It is because you almost lived it before it happened. Mm-hmm. And now you can actually speak to it from a great perspective. Uh, tough, yes, some sadness, huge. But look at what you can do now speaking to it. You're like ahead of the game. You know, you can now, these kids that are going through this now, they're five, seven years from maybe, uh, you know, leaving or in any kind of restoration. What's your perspective now on this gender affirming care and those that are in this now? What can you talk to them or to the parents? How do we deal with this? What would you What would you tell us? You'll be all right. There's everything will be all right as long as you turn and listen to your parents over these woke agendaed teachers. They are not teachers. They are activists. Activists are terrible in this format. We do not need those. You do not need to listen to an activist. You should listen to your parents. They know what is best for you. The government does not. That's why our foundation is God, family, country, Mm. not the other way around. Right. And I think what you said, you're going to be okay. I've heard a lot of um, uh, speakers on this topic that have dealt with the situation. And if the kids could just get through the puberty, get through these questions, get mm-hmm. through these challenging situations with help and support, you'll get through it. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's this weird spot, but, you know, or we've even had uh, a lot of women say, you know, I was a tomboy when I grew up. Thank God my parents just let me be a tomboy, get through the rough spot because all of a sudden I would be in, you know, in, in a transitioning uh, therapy. And, that is and so just, true. Just get through, just kind of see, let God push you and mold you and guide you and let your, your parents and your church, let them get through this. It, it's, it's, I'm sure it's, that sounds very simplistic because I'm sure people told you that, but, but I guess the best advice is kind of just hang in there and who God created you to be. Male, female, Debbie, exactly. David, looking back and uh, at what you said with the whole when we tell people when and I when I because I'm at a stage to where I can look back at some parts of my life when you brought up this whole well what kind of advice can you give well at that time 
ignorance is bliss at the point because mm-hmm. that time we're not really listening to them what we we're saying all these flowery things to these kids but they're not t- quite understanding it yet and that's fine because you're growing still you're still trying to understand what your parents are trying to tell you what is right righteously right. good they're not right. trying to harm you they're not trying to hurt you they're not trying to get your feelings all up in a bunch they're trying to help you and looking back at it i can say that i was hesitant to listen to it now sure. looking at nowadays it's the advice that they were giving me that i'm giving you now yeah Wow, David, what a powerful testimony of um, what Kat has done in your life. I mean, you literally, you literally could have been dead and gone, um, but he gave you a second chance, a path uh, to, to, to live. Uh, he gave me a purpose. He gave you a purpose. And, and, and now always, I see that purpose. Right. And you always had that purpose. It was always there, but you found it in such a powerful way. And um, you look great. Um, you look so, so satisfied. You look like, you know what? I am who I am and I'm so comfortable in my skin and being the man that God created me. That yes, I am 100% satisfied with how I turned out because otherwise I wouldn't have the courage, the bravery or the strength to continue going forward if I didn't have him. Right. And truly you'd be living something that's not real. That's I'd be living in part. sin. Yeah. That's what I'd yeah. say. I'd be living in sin. Wow. Well, I can't wait to see what God's going to do with uh with the rest of the path that you're going to be trailblazing here. So thank you, because there is hope when we see stories like this. And detransitioning is a huge topic, obviously. We now we now know there's a lot mm. of um young boys, young girls that have transitioned and now are saying. I had no idea what this included. I have no idea that this was how I would end up. Like the problems that I had didn't go away because I'm pretending to be something else. So there's a big community right now that needs a lot of prayer and a lot of ministry. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for having me on here. And I hope that people will get some type of valued skills out of it as well because i'm not here to make money off of this and i'm not to do all this crazy stuff or anything i'm specifically here to try and educate the people who need the education free or not i don't it's there it's information that the people need to know and yeah god god gives me what i need so that's all i can accept and that's all i can ask for so Well, thank you. We appreciate you sharing your story, David, and God bless you in your journey. And um, we'll keep praying for you and um, really praying for all the moms that are listening to that their children may be having um, some type of confusion or going through this situation because we do pray for clarity for them, Mm -hmm. that God would make it clear for them as well. Um, Because, you know, there's nothing more than just our soul and who God made us to be. So we want everyone to have that. that journey in life. That's, that's a beautiful, you know, it doesn't mean that's not easy. You know, it doesn't mean it's always easy. It's not going to be easy, but, and, and we know that they can get through it because you did. And that's, what's great about this story. So thank you, David. God bless you. Thank you for having me. God bless you. Wow. What an amazing story. Thank you again, David. Our kids are so susceptible to the messages they see and hear from all sources. That's very obvious. We as mamas have to love and help our children but we don't have to affirm a dangerous decision. There is hope.
that was which was so great about David's story. Alrighty, um, on to momsforamerica.us. I want to make sure that all of you are very familiar with our website and you can stop by there and check out all our amazing resources, events, and programs. Um, I also want to invite you to check out our signature program, which is called the Cottage Meetings. These 12 lessons will inspire and educate you about America's history um, and help you share the principles of liberty in your home and in your community. This program, along with many other of our programs, and we have a lot of them on our website, will help you impact your family in a very powerful way. From parental rights to public policy, from the kitchen table to Congress, Moms for America has it all for you. We are here to serve you moms and help you in your journey through motherhood. We also want to invite you to sign up for our weekly newsletter. You can go ahead and do that on our website, momsforamerica.us. And if you have an idea or a topic for the podcast, would you please email me at podcast at momsforamerica.net. I would love to hear from you. We say this every week, moms. We believe that liberty begins at home and that you are truly the heartbeat of America. You are truly the heartbeat of your home. Uh, that's why moms are so powerful. They love their children. They love their country. They love their God. And uh, we are here to make a difference every day. So you keep hanging in there, mama. Like, subscribe, share this podcast. I know a lot of moms are going to want to hear David's story. Um, and I hope to see you back here next week. And uh, remember, we're always here. And let's keep changing our world one home at a time. God bless.